The, the word uh, mandi, you might be wondering what that means. It's the Latin word mandatum. That's where we get that from. Uh, it's, it means command. So it's uh, the, the, the night of command that, that Jesus gives his disciples a new command. And the command that he gave them is this. This is my commandment, commandment that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, um, so you must love one another. And then he says, greater love has no one than this, than that someone lay down his life for his friends. And so that is the backdrop of all that takes place then on that Thursday night, the Last Supper, when Jesus declares all of the Passovers that had ever taken place. It, he says, it's all about me. Every single sacrifice, this has always been about me. And I am the sacrifice that all of those sacrifices have pointed to. And this is the love that I am going to show. And I think this night meant so much more as the disciples' eyes were opened upon the resurrection and they realized all that Jesus was doing in this, this weekend. So let me pray and we'll spend some time together in Philippians 2. Lord, lead us now into your word and stir in our hearts a great treasure for the sacrifice of our King. Help us to honor and esteem his humility and obedience before you. And Lord, help us to show forth that then to the world as we echo out your excellence and the, the accomplishments of our Savior in the way that we walk humbly, the way that we love generously, lavishly and show the forgiveness and the the willingness to lay our lives down for our friends in jesus name i pray amen i titled this message humble majesty humble majesty these these words don't often go together automatically but they they're they're perfect for jesus in his first coming right humble majesty his his first arrival was marked by humility one second good thing i brought water his first arrival was marked by humility think of the incarnation no fanfare very few people even knew of his arrival it was just under the nose of the most uh pompous king in all of the attention that uh, Herod attracted and all of the, uh, the, the, the majesty that he tried to drum up. And, and the king of kings was born in a shepherd's cave just a mile or two away in the shadows, celebrated by the lowest of the low, the shepherds, invited by the angels. And so humble majesty really defines our, our Savior. Listen to these verses in Philippians 2. Paul says to us here, have this mind, this attitude among yourselves, which is yours. It's yours. This is, this is possible to have because of Christ. It's yours in Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be held onto or grasped. But what did he do? He made himself nothing taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. 
a Roman cross. God ordained that His Son would be sent at a period of time when the most horrific, public, violent executions were taking place. And they, they surveyed the span of history and, and they decided this is when it should take place. That's the kind of suffering that He will receive to make atonement for our sin. The mind of Christ is what we're called to here tonight. It's interesting because it's, it's similarly a command. But it's only a command that can be, can be realized through Christ. Have this attitude, this heart, this approach to life, this posture, this mind, the way you think about yourself, the way you engage others. Believers are to be marked by the humility of our Savior and the way that we engage each other. So I want to consider a few things. First of all, the status that Jesus had. He was in the form of God, and this is hard for us to conceive of because it engages Trinitarian theology, and that's always a little bit murky, and it probably always will be. And what does it mean that we have the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Three persons, uh, equal in essence, distinct in personhood. That's, it's hard to wrap our mind around, but Jesus is fully, truly God in all that it is. In fact, in John, verses uh, 1 through 3 of chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, he's referring to Jesus here, the Son. And the Word was with God, that is the Father. The Son was with the Father. And the Word was God, right? So the Son is equally God. He's, he shares the Godness of God in the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. He was in the beginning with God, so eternally existing. He never had a beginning. He was never made. That is a heresy. Jesus was not, didn't have a start. The Son was eternally existent. And then it says this, All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Someone was asking about creation recently, and Friends, if we think that creation is only referenced in the first two chapters of our Bible, we're mistaken. It's referenced here. Jesus himself references how clear it is that God made the world. And, and what's amazing about this is that it was Jesus. It was the Son. He made everything that is. That God created through his Son all that is. How did he do it? With words. He spoke. And so Jesus here is referred to as the Word. How amazing it is. So He has this equality with God. He has been eternally existing with the Father and the Spirit in perfect union, not lacking anything. Perfect joy. And the plan of redemption conceived of old and the assignment given by the Father was to the Son to save. And this is the way the salvation would come to pass. I and the Father are one. His status was not uncertain. His status had always been. And yet, He didn't count His status more important than the assignment the Father had given Him. Selflessly, He took on this mind, this attitude. It was His Though he was in the form of God, he, that is Jesus, 
the Son, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to above all else. The, the, the highest end for God is His glory, and this was a plan to bring glory to God. And so, He was willing and humble to take on human flesh, to, to become the pot rather than the potter. That's just amazing to conceive of. All of these limitations that we know that God doesn't know He was willing to subject Himself to those things. So His action, what did He do? He made Himself nothing. Made Himself nothing. He emptied Himself, that is. Specifically here, it means that He set aside His glory. He was no less God, let's be clear. That's also a, a heresy. He did not become uh, ungodly. He did not undo his deity. He took upon his deity humanity and the weakness and frailty. And so what we see when you see Jesus is this interesting coming together of both his deity and his humanity. And my uncle wrote a book called uh, the man, Christ Jesus. It's out here. It's excellent. It, it emphasizes all of the places that we see the humanity of Christ and all that that means. Sometimes we emphasize his deity, but it's also good to remember he was a man and he took that upon himself. He was tempted in every way, yet without sin. He walked in the weakness. He grew tired as we do. He ate. He slept. He humbled himself. But it was more than just taking upon human flesh. It was that there was a purpose to that. And that purpose was always clear. His obedience was a part of the plan. Perfect submission. Perfect obedience. And in walking that out, he obeyed in ways we could never even dream. He perfectly obeyed in a way that none of us have in this room. And that qualified him then to lay his life down on the cross. And it says that he became obedient such, such that he was willing to go in that obedience to the Father all the way through the suffering, through drinking the wrath of God that I should have received for all of my sin. That cross is so important, friends. Where Jesus died. In my place, condemned he stood. Even death on a cross. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake, that is the Father, made the Son to be sin who knew no sin. So he was the Lamb without blemish, the spotless Lamb. And upon the Son, he placed all of my sin. The sin of every single person who looks to him in faith or will ever look to him in faith. He took all of it and set it upon His Son. And then He poured that wrath, as Scott was referring to on Sunday. He crushed the Son under the weight of His wrath and indignation to make atonement for our sins and offenses. Friends, we live in a day when sin is belittled. It's not a big deal. It, it, it doesn't bother people as it ought. Sin is the reason for the suffering of Jesus. 
God sees sin as infinitely offensive. And, and, and it's, it's against Him that we sin, first and foremost. He found a way to uphold His holiness and His righteousness and to pour out His wrath, and at the same time to show love undeserved to sinners like you and me. Mercy, forgiveness, grace. Obedience marked the life of Jesus. Love, unbelievable love, marked the life of Jesus. Humility, each step of the way. Servanthood, and ultimately, He paid the price, the greatest price that the world would ever see. A perfect man, crushed by a righteous, holy God. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory is above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is enthroned on high? Listen to His glory. His humble majesty comes into display here. He is high above all else. Who is like Him? No one. That's the answer. But this is also His glory. Who humbles Himself to behold the things that are in heaven and on the earth. You know what that word means? I preached on it a number of years ago. It means he stoops down to the likes of us, the lowly, the things that are down. And look at these words. He, he raises the poor from the dust and he lifts the needy from the ash heap. This too is his glory. It's set on display as Jesus obeys and dies in our place. His greatness is in His being above all else, but His greatness may be most displayed in His humility, in His sacrifice. Hmm. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, now we know that there's more to that verse and there's more to this weekend, friends. Celebration Sunday is just around the corner. Sunday's a coming. But tonight, we enter into this, this sacrifice, this gift. And Jesus says, listen, this is the way that those who carry my name are to love. This is the kind of life that you are called to live in this broken, dark and messed up world. Humble majesty. That is our example. That's our call. That is His glory. That is the name we carry. So the command then to meet us tonight is have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This is, this is our opportunity. So let's go through the three things that, that kind of build out our experience because of the gospel. What is my status as a Christian? What is my status tonight as one who has received the atonement of Christ and trusted in Him as Savior and Lord, repenting of my sin and saying, Jesus, I, I trust You as my Savior, my King, my Lord. Lead me on. What is my status now? Listen to Paul in Ephesians 2. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. 
by grace you've been saved. By grace you have been saved. You know what grace means? It's unmerited favor. It means I didn't deserve it and neither did you. He raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Then he sums it up. By grace you have been saved through faith. We can't earn it. There's nothing we can do to deserve this. We simply say, I trust you. You did the work. I lean wholly upon you. This is not your doing. It's the gift of God. Even the faith that saves us, we can't take credit for. <laughs> isn't that mind-blowing? The very faith that we look to Christ with isn't of us. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. So what is our status? We have been saved by grace. Undeservingly so. What is our attitude to be? What is the mind that we are called to have? Well, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He pours out His, his kindness to those who walk in the echo of their Savior. Humility. This is my commandment, Jesus says, that you love one another as I have loved you. So you also must love one another. We are to walk in humility and love. This is our mindset, friends. Our mindset. This is what we, when we wake up in the morning, this is what we should set our target on. How can I walk in humility and love today? Opportunities come our way each day. How can we display the glory of our King in the way that we engage this world? Humility and love. And my action, what does it look like to live this out? Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Philippians 2 builds this out. Look at how beautiful it is. To see this then lived out. Servanthood, sacrifice, all for the glory of our Savior. It tracks back to what He did. That's His point. I'm starting this. I'm accomplishing this work. I am going to redeem you, bring life into you, plant the Holy Spirit in you to enable you to live in a way that you could no, otherwise never live. And when you live this way, you bring glory to the one who saved you. When you are called by the name Christian, you glorify Christ by pouring yourself out in love, servanthood, sacrifice. Friends, this is not the way our world is wired to live. This is not the inclination of the sinful heart. This is opposite of every instinct in us naturally. And it is not something that we automatically do the moment we are saved. We grow in godliness. We grow in the grace of the Lord Jesus. And this is something that we are to be reminded of every time we come to this table. It's, it's good that we are reminded of this often. In this, the love of, of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. 
In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Do you, do you catch that? We can't take credit. We can't say, Lord, we were down here loving you, and it's right that you chose to love us. No, he says, no. He set his love upon us first. He loved us, and what did he do with that love? What, it, what did that love look like? Well, he sent his son to be the, the propitiation, the, the, the wrath appeasing sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, good shepherd, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And I want to commend you for the love you show one another. What an amazing display it is week by week to see this family loving one another, praying for one another, serving one another with joy, looking for opportunities to bless. And all the more so because of this love we've received. It's what it means to be the church. We love in the way we've been loved. So, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. I want to spend a little time in prayer preparing our hearts before we gather here at the table. And uh, if you're visiting with us, we want to welcome you. And come and, and receive these elements and, and participate with us uh, so long as Jesus is your Savior and Lord. Now, the bread reminds us of his body that was given up for us. And the, the cup reminds us of his blood that was shed for us. And these are tangible reminders because it's good for us to, to taste and see, to remember, to feel the weight of what it costs to buy us back from our sin. If you're here and, you're, and you haven't made that decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, and you're not trusting Him alone as your hope in this life and the next, then just observe with us tonight. Let those elements stay there and, and allow this to be a witness to you of, of how he saves. I mean, look around. He saved the likes of us. He can save you too. Let this be a witness to you. And we long for the day when everyone in this room can participate at the table together. So let me pray and we'll prepare our hearts. And then worship team, if you would come and, and uh, we'll sing a song as you're receiving the elements. And after that, then we'll partake together. Oh, great God and Father, author of life, giver of the greatest gift the world has ever known. We honor you and we give thanks to you. We thank you for the sending of your Son. What an amazing sacrifice you made, Father, to give your beloved Son, to put him to grief, to, to crush him, as it were, on the cross, to Pour out your wrath upon Jesus in, in, instead of upon me. We thank you for this gift of love and grace. And, and Jesus, we honor you. We esteem your obedience. We want to be that kind of, of people who obey like that. To that degree, O oh Lord. We thank you for your humility. Lord, make us humble like you are. Give us that mind, that heart that inclination when we are together with others to serve and pour out and, 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 and lay our lives down in love. 
Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice and thank you for all that it means for us, for life that is invincible, that death cannot touch. We thank you for going all the way to the end so that we might be saved and forgiven. We worship you now as we gather at your table. We honor you above all else. We take sin very seriously, Lord. We want to confess anything that comes to mind even now of sin in our life. We confess that. We lay it down at the, at the foot of the cross, joyfully acknowledging your provision for forgiveness and turning from it. Be honored now as we celebrate this great table together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.